ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage Nick Ashburn and my favorite Twitter follower, JP Aaron Sebia. Welcome to a very special episode of Digging with JPR and Sebia. I have said special episode a few times in the off-season, but we've done a lot of stuff. I think it's fair to say this one is legitimately special. We've got a nice live audience here who braved pretty gross weather to be with us before the game. And uh, JP, I know you're not playing anymore, but how does opening day feel for you? Uh, it's exciting when you're not catching a knuckleball and uh, having the crowd boo at you. Uh, <laughs> So it's a little easier to sit on this couch and, and get to hang out here in front of everybody, but it's, it's nice. It's fun to be here and then talk about upcoming season because opening day, everybody's 0-0, zero, zero, right? There's, there's no wins, there's no losses, and I think at the end of the day, all athletes feel like they have a chance to win. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, we had a bit of an, I would say, a bit of a negative potential plan for this to talk about the lack of a sellout and where that puts us with fans. And that's still very true, but we have some real news to talk about for once. We've got Kendris Morales' deal going down late last night. You don't see that often just before opening day. What's your thoughts on that deal? I, I like it. I think that, you know, you move Kendris Morales, it opens up Rowdy Telez to be able to get some more at-bats. It allows Ty Oscar, Billy McKinney. It allows, for me, a move like that shows and should show the fans that they are committed to going younger. And although, you know, the the stuff with Vladdy and all that stuff, it's going to happen. But it, it shows that legitimately they're moving these guys because Kendris isn't going to be around when the team needs to have the team to win. And so I think that's something that was a good move. It's tough to see, it, see him go because obviously to what he means to the, the Latin guys and how he's able to be a leader and stuff like that. But I, I like the move because it shows that they're committed to, to the youth movement. I was going to say, you've been there before as a guy who's been in that clubhouse. What does a Kendris Morales do? On this podcast, we talk about service time a lot and what that means and the stature of a guy like that. Who is 35? Who's been around for that long? You've got Vladdy coming up. You've got Lourdes Gurdiel and Elvis Luciano now, a 19-year-old. He's kind of keep his head above water in the big leagues. Do you think there's a risk there? Well, I think there's a risk, but you also have to be able to understand that there's other guys that can pick up that load, right? There's guys that have been around the league. Clayton Richards been around a long time, Matt Shoemaker. So uh, that's something, it sucks because at the end of the day, you hear all of the guys talk about him and you know that he really took these guys under the wing. He was the first one in the ballpark. The way he treated staff, like there's stuff that goes on on the field that's important, but there's also stuff that goes, in, goes on in between the clubhouse taking care of your clubhouse staff who when you get back from a road trip is putting your clothes into your locker so that the next day you're ready to go taking care of all the small people because that goes a long way and I think that's something that those guys kind of teach some people you know they taught me that as a young player and you take care of certain guys you take care of the you know the staff the training staff everybody and that is really something too that going about the business as a professional makes a difference. For me, it's also all about flexibility. Like, you don't see a lot of teams carry that full-time DH anymore because they want to rotate guys through. They want to get guys at bats. 
Teoscar Hernandez, a great example of a guy who has problems in the field. You get him at DH, you can play him every day and not worry about that. You can cycle Billy McKinney through. So a team that wants to play a bunch of young guys and see what they can do, it's tough when you have to pencil in the same guy at DH every single day. Like that's 500, 600 at bats that you're giving to a guy, like you said, he's not part of the future of this team and they can do a lot more with that spot. It's almost more about what you can do with that spot as opposed to what Morales Water would not have done. Well, in the DH too, the spot, what it opens up is, and this is what the big you know, talk about in the National League is, is you go to a game, you wanna watch guys play. And in the National League, sometimes they're not playing, they need a day off. In the American League, you can DH them and still come to see the person that you watched, that you came to watch. So that's something that's an advantage to where I think you know, you have a Rowdy, you have a Billy. To Oscar, if he, if he has a day off, now he can DH. That consi that's considered a day off in baseball. When you're not on the field and all I gotta do is hit, that's considered a day off. So I think that's something you may even be able to see Danny Jansen get some at-bats. And so it's a huge move. And again, I think that it just proves what they're saying is what they're, they're gonna do. Not every move is always like that, but what they're doing, it shows that. Yeah, and they also got something for him, not a lot. You got a very minor prospect, someone you don't expect really anything from. You got that international slot money, right? Like that's something they got for Dwight Smith Jr. Now they're starting to accumulate. Well, what's this team gonna be built around? Vlad Guerrero Jr., a guy who's an international signing. So now you're, you have more ammunition in that fight. You can go out there and maybe get a top-notch guy. It's hard to say if they will or not. You know, you can have the money and not spend it, but that's something that I don't think enough people are talking about with this deal. Yeah, I mean, what stinks is you're still paying a big part of that, that salary. Almost right? all of it. Yeah, you're, you're paying, I think it was $10 million out of the 12 or whatever it is. But international bonuses have become something that's very sought after. I think that's something, you know, you see there's guys that sign for $60,000 out of the Dominican Republic, Venezuela, whatever, that are not quote-unquote prospects because they're signing them at 16 and they're not developed. And all of a sudden, they become Teoscar Hernandez. They become these guys that no one expected to be this great star, but there you go. You have somebody like that. So I think that's why international money has become so big is because you can do that in the major league draft. You're competing as far as like first round picks, you're gonna have to pay X amount of money. Second round picks, you're gonna have to pay X amount of money. So uh, international bonus is big, but I don't care about the money. I don't care about the, the player that they got in return, nothing against them, but it comes, back, it comes down to how can we make the Toronto Blue Jays better for now and for the future, and that's Kendris Morales opening up a spot for the younger guys. Yeah, it's, it's really hard to argue with the deal. This is sort of a season preview for us. If nothing else, we talked about spring training, we had off-season and review, so I thought I'd hit you with some of, sort of the big questions that we're looking at for this year for the Blue Jays. And because success isn't going to be measured strictly on wins and losses, even Charlie Montoyo has said that. So I thought some of the big questions this year, they're going to kind of define this season. And the first and most obvious one is, what is success for Vlad this year? What needs to happen for the Blue Jays to feel good about where Vlad's at at the end of 2019? Listen, for me, success for Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is getting him to the big, big leagues. End of story. I don't care if he starts off in AAA and he bats 0-50, I don't care what he does in AAA. I want him to get to the big leagues so he can start seeing those pitchers on a daily basis, right? See the Yankees, see the Bostons, see the Tampas, because that's, what, that's the big part about why you have these guys come up. He's a major leaguer. Everybody knows that he's a major league caliber player, but it's 
How does this pitcher look? How does this pitcher look? How do I play defense at Boston? How do I play defense in Baltimore? Because those are the things that when he's here, that's what's going to make them when they're in their winning, at a time that they're winning, that's, what, that's the crucial thing. Is because now he doesn't have to go, I don't know what Snell has. I don't know what CeCe Sabathia, which he'll be gone anyways, but I don't know what these guys have as far as that's a big for that's a big thing for a hitter. So for me, success for him is just getting him to the big leagues. And I, and don't look into what he does when he first gets here because it's dude, it's the big leagues. It's tough. And so although he's still, I imagine he's gonna be one of those guys that's special that never looks back. He still needs that experience to learn the pitchers, positioning base running, all the different things that he needs to learn at the major league level, because at the minor leagues, it doesn't make any sense anymore. He's, he's too good. I'm going to be more aggressive than that with you. I think that he's projected to be one of the very best hitters in baseball, and he needs to look like he's a superstar, because this team is so much built around him and what he brings to the table. He has to be the future of this franchise, and he has, has to is an aggressive. I'll, I'll walk has to, but the team really needs to see him look like that building block because I mean Bo maybe could be that guy too but they've been talking about this for years he's the number one prospect in baseball he's the best prospect they've ever had he's arguably the best hitting prospect we've seen in years you need that guy to instill confidence the moment he comes up because that is the that's the piece that's the friend that's the guy who's going to sell tickets that's the guy who is here's people buying the jerseys nope here's why not right because listen to this Aaron Judge when he came up how was Aaron Judge how was he Aaron struck Judge? out a lot. He did terrible when he came up. Not that he just struck out a lot. He didn't do good at all. He didn't hit home runs. He didn't do anything that Aaron Judge did. You know who else struggled his first year when he came up? Are you going to give me Mike Trout here? Mike Trout. Look at Mike Trout's numbers his first year when he got called up. He, he had a few months in, in the major leagues. He had not good numbers. So for me to say, for you to say that somebody has to come up and be this superstar, I don't, I'm not on it because you have two of the best players in baseball. One guy just got $430 million because he's the best player in baseball. When he came up, he didn't do well. So for me, it's the experience. I don't care about the numbers out of the gate. I don't care about any of that stuff. I want him to learn what it's like to fly, to get to these different cities, to know what it's like to go to a big league clubhouse, to know what it's like to to take batting practice and, and to see these pitchers and to get on this field those are the tangibles. It's like anybody. Any of, anyone you goes to, when you go to work, you get the best out of your job, and they get the best out of you when you're comfortable where you go to work. It's not comfortable to get to the big leagues as a young guy. You get into a stadium, and you're walking in the stadium, and you go, hey, where's the visiting clubhouse? That's not comfortable. It, it, you walk into a stadium, and all of a sudden, the sun is setting in your eyes in the third inning, and you're like, what the heck is this sun? It, those are the little things that make a difference. And as much as you would say, like, oh, how does that affect his play? It does. When you come to the yard and you know what to expect every single day, it's like when you go to work. I know where my desk is. I'm going to go there, and I'm ready to do what I need to do. I know what my task at hand is because I'm comfortable where I'm going. It's the same exact thing for these guys at the major league level. I, I get what you're saying in theory. I just think that he's on another plane above... Above Mike Trout. The best Not player. Above he, Mike Trout. Listen, above okay, Mike Trout. the difference with Mike Trout and with Judge is that those teams didn't hang as much. They didn't need those play, Like the Yankees didn't need Aaron Judge to be that superstar for them to move forward. And the Angels knew Trout was going to be good, but they didn't know Trout was going to be as good as he ultimately became. That wasn't the plan. The Blue Jays' plan. Trout was the number one 
player in baseball when he got called up to the big league. So but no one uh, thought he was going to be as good as he ultimately ended up being. People think that Vladdy's going to be that good. The Blue Jays' plan is for Vladdy to be that yeah, good. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. If he comes up and he struggles his first year, it's not like, well, all right, that guy sucks. That's no. my point. So he doesn't, but you said he but has if, to but come if he, up here and kill it. If he kills not it, true. then the plan is locked in. It's something people can buy into and believe in. If you're not buying he's in, so central to what they want to do. If you're not buying in on Vladdy Jr., then something's wrong with you. Yeah, you're not watching, but not everyone's watching. All right, we're, we'll agree to disagree. Number two. You're crazy. Who is the best addition to this team? The, best the addition. Best addition to this Freddie team. Freddie Galvis. Why Freddie Galvis? Because he plays 162 games. I played with him in Philadelphia with the Phillies when I was in camp with them. This guy's Kendris leaves, Freddie Galvis steps in. You got all the young infielders, all the young, all the young players. He is going to be a guy that helps. You saw Vladdy Jr. around him on Instagram stories, right? These guys are together messing around, and they're on Instagram. That means that they're, they're building that stuff with these guys, these rapports with these guys. And so I think... Obviously, defensively, the guy's unbelievable. I think he's going to be, offensively, he's going to be very serviceable. He had 13 home runs in San Diego. Not, a best, not the best park to hit a home runs in. You come to American League, a lot more home runs. He's going to be a guy who I think helps this team out more than people are expecting. Plus, you have young pitchers. You have all these guys. You need to have good defense because nothing is worse for these young guys that are going to be coming up to be throwing and have extra outs. You have an error. Now, you know this, everybody knows this, in the American League East, if you give an extra and out to a team, you're going to pay for it. And that's not a good way to develop these pitchers. So thus, what do you do? You go out and get one of the best defensive shortstops in the league. It does make me wonder what the plan was with Morales, because he does kind of fill a lot of those roles you're talking about in terms of being the veteran and the role model. I don't love Freddie Galvis. I don't think he brings a lot with the bat. He's steady, like you said. He's going to be an advantage to the pitching staff. My guy's going to be Matt Shoemaker, friend of the show. Yes. Friend of the show. We had him on. Great guy. Um, I'm a sucker for pitchers who have just one nasty pitch, and that's kind of what Matt Shoemaker is. That splitter he has is ridiculous. And just two years ago... And you like him because you guys have beards. There's a little bit of a beard synergy that happened between us, but no. He's a guy that two years ago was in the Cy Young discussion for a while in 2016. I know that he's been in the injury wilderness a little bit, but last year his stuff still looked pretty good. He wasn't able to go deep into games, but that doesn't matter as much anymore. And I think he's a guy that can survive in a tough AL East because he, he misses bats, which is something a lot of these pitchers on the Blue Jays do not do enough of. And listen, I'll tell you why I like Matt Shoemaker, even though you pooped on my idea about Freddie Galvis. I like Matt Shoemaker because you were with me in the clubhouse in the spring training. You got to hear the candid talk that we had and how fired up he was to be able to be in Toronto to play for this team. And he was very adamant about why can't it be us? Why can't it be us? Why can't we go out there and be the team that's a surprise? And it wasn't him just talking and like, not really caring about what he's saying in the sense of not fully bought in, you saw the emotion. So that's why I like that, is to have a guy like that who every day is going to bring that intensity and bring, because it could, everyone is counting them out, everyone is counting them out, but at the end of the day, dude, you have to still play this game, and you still have to go out there, and you have to compete, and you never know what can happen in this game. Yeah, and Matt Shoemaker, like you said, about as straightforward a guy as you can possibly imagine, yeah. incredibly genuine, 
definitely a good presence in that clubhouse. And I think we discussed this before, someone who could potentially get them something at the trade deadline on that one-year deal. If he's pitching well, someone might see him as a four on a playoff team, if maybe if they have an injury. I can definitely see something materializing there. So the third thing I want to ask is about breakouts. Because if you're going to take that step from being a rebuilding team that's not competitive to that next level, you need a couple guys who nece weren't necessarily expected to break out to break out. It's not just bringing up your prospects and rookies. It's about getting guys to take the next step. So for you, who's someone who's not a rookie, not Vlad, not Bo, who you see taking that next step and maybe becoming part of this core? For me, I think Randall's going to have a phenomenal year. I think the dude is, he's had a great spring training. I think he's going to be phenomenal. But if, for me, the guy that I look to is Lourdes Gurriel. He continues to get better. All these guys that come from Cuba get to the States and they continue to get better year in and year out. Look at his brother. Look at Kendris. All these guys, they continue to get better and better. And I think you watching spring training, you see his numbers. He's hitting home runs. He's doing different things. I think he's a guy who I know you're not high on. Not a Lourdes not guy. High on, but I think he's a guy that little by little can prove himself to be an everyday kind of player and not just an everyday kind of player, like an above average everyday kind of player. And that's what I think that he can bring to the table. So if you're asking me who my guy, my pick to click is this year, the surprise, it's Lourdes Gurriel. My problem with Gurriel is that he's got an offensive profile that's tricky to make it work because he doesn't walk a lot and he doesn't hit for a lot of power. And when you don't do either of those things, you got to spray line drives all the time and you got to not strike out. And that's a really, really tough thing to do. He doesn't do hit for power yet. He doesn't hit for power yet. We'll Cause, see. Cause he's, he's, not the, he's not like a 21 year old guy. Like, it, it could come, but I think it's unfair to expect that it will come. I think he hits over 15 home runs this year. Yeah, but anyone can hit 15 home runs these days. Okay, it's <laughs> okay. Anyway, we're gonna. I'll give you mine, and you. Yeah. You. Oh, yeah, I know you hit 15 home runs for sure. I know you won't poo-poo it because you already said it. I like Randall Grichuk to take the next step. He's a guy who the ball just explodes off his bat, and so he's a couple of approach tweaks away always from going off for that amazing season. And I don't think people appreciate just how good an outfielder he is. This guy's really, really good. In a, in a corner especially, he's really good. He's a center fielder caliber guy playing a corner. He, he goes back on the ball well. He's got an arm that holds runners. He's, he can be the complete package. He, does he strike out too much? Yeah. Does he walk enough? Maybe not. Well, do you want but to he create a player? Else. Somebody has to be normal. <laughs> like, oh, he, he doesn't hit enough home runs. He doesn't walk enough. But he hits 300. This, he sucks. Doesn't hey, so you, so you did for out. He hits 30 a year, but he strikes out. Oh, he sucks. You found a way to poo poo it, even though you said that you liked him to break out as well. All right, number four is a question that you I can think, see who's the positive one out of us, by the way. A question that uh, Montoya has answered early on, but we know how things change over the course of the season. Who do you see getting more at bats, Billy McKinney or Teoscar Hernandez? Because now it looks like Telez Hernandez is fill. don't at me. Don't 100%. I mean, this guy's hitting third on opening day, and Billy McKinney's not in the lineup. He's in the pole position, but it's a long season. Yeah, but you're also talking about a guy who has done it, and he's going to continue to do it, and I think he's getting more comfortable. There's undoubtedly Teoscar Hernandez. If Teoscar Hernandez doesn't get more at-bats than Billy McKinney, then we're struggling in the middle of our order. I, I actually won't disagree with this time. I'm not a huge yes. McKinney guy. 
Hernandez, the way he hits the ball in terms of his stack-ass stuff and the way it ex it's, it's a lot like Richard. You're a big stack-ass guy. Big stack-ass guy. Loves yeah, the ball hit hard. Velo. And uh, the other thing about Grichik is he gets to play more DH now, so you don't have to worry about him struggling in the field and bringing that to the plate. I like him to do some things this year. If we could talk about his flaws, I'm going to move past his flaws because I'm you. seeing it get a lot of pushback. <laughs> Let's just appreciate him for what he's good at. Thank you. Okay, final, final big question. Who's your best starter this season in the non-Stroman-Sanchez division? Because we know they're clear number one, number two. I think it's obviously Baraki, right? Like, listen, if Baraki wasn't injured, this is a guy, you know, to start the year. I mean, what he was doing in the spring, what he did last year, you've been around him. You see how much fun he is. He, he's got a good head on his shoulders. I think this is a guy, anyone who looks up to Mark Burley is a special kid. Because obviously Mark Burley was an A++, not only pitcher, but person. And so if that's the person that you admire, I think you, you're looking at what kind of a person that Barucki is. Plus, he's throwing in the mid-90s with good stuff. So at the end of the day, if, if Sanchez gets traded and Stroman gets traded at some point this year, I'm happy knowing that Barucki could be my ace at some point. Yeah, he's a guy you pull for, like you said. He's, he's such a good guy. He's a fun dude. I do worry about him missing bats. I think that he's still figuring out that third pitch, that slider, the breaking ball. He's such a fastball changeup guy right now. If he can find that, I absolutely see it. I don't really have a good rebuttal. I do like Matt Shoemaker, like I said before. I always liked Sean Reed Foley's stuff, but now it looks like he's getting bumped down the depth chart a little bit with Trent Thornton coming up. So he's a guy I might have picked to take off this year. It's hard to make that call now based on what's happened since. So I guess I'll, I'll, I'll stick with you there. I'll go with Barack. And I think well. Sean Reed Foley, I love him. I think he's more of a reliever. His attitude, the way he goes about it, I think that he's got great stuff. But he's a guy you put at the end of the bullpen, and his fastball ticks up to the high 90s instead of mid-90s. And now you're talking about a guy that can really, really solidify a bullpen for the future. Yeah, if they, if they make that call on him, like you are a reliever, I have no doubt that he can be a really good reliever, but I understand why they haven't made that call yet because the potential yeah, is still you, there. You gotta keep, and you got to keep their value high because at the end of the day, there's a lot of business that goes on with why I keep a guy a starter, why a bullpen, because he might be a trade chip, and you're going to get more for a starter than you would for a bullpen guy. So All that's right. part of it. We're going to call down our host, Zoobs, for a second. Me and Zoobs. I don't like that guy, by the way. Yes. He used to rip me on Twitter when I was a player. No, I'm kidding. I like him now. Yeah. Uh, a little too close. All right. Too close. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. We're going to do, we're going to do a game over under. We're going to ask a category. We have uh, 10 questions. It's very simple, over or under. We're going to also ask your opinion when they're done giving their expert opinions. You guys ready to go? Let's do it. Yep. All right. First one, team leader in home runs, over or under 29 home runs. I'm going to say over. It's a tough question because if someone really goes off, you can see them getting traded, and then it wouldn't count, right? Like, say, Smoke hits 37 home runs, but eight of them are 10 or with another team. That doesn't count, but we yes. like Richick a lot to, to get over 30 home runs, I think. Yeah, since he said we like Grichuk, obviously, um, <laughs> I'm on that same. I think that we, we like Grichuk. I, I think he's going to be over 30 this year. I think he's going to do big things. So I see over. Show of hands for over 29 home runs. Wow, skeptical. Yeah, not a lot of optimism in the room. Wow, bunch of Nick Ashburn. I feel at home here. A lot of Nicks in the room. <laughs> <laughs> All right, second one. Team wins over under 75 and a half. 
under. No. Big under, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, no. The thing is, even if people perform really well, that often means they're going to get traded in a lot the situation. Unders, a lot of unders. Yeah. A lot of unders the, over the there. Nick yeah, section, over there. But... These are my guys. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that unless Vlad comes up and is just ridiculous, unless they decide to bring Bo up and we'll talk about that later and he's ridiculous, it's hard for me to envision a scenario where this team wins more than low 70s. All right. Well, I mean, I think it's tough. It's a fun stat for you guys since I do look up stats. I'm not always not a stat just me. guy. Stat head. But the Blue Jays have the third most consistent 70-plus wins at 14 straight seasons. Wow. 70-plus is also a horrible barometer. <laughs> hey, 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 <laughs> hey, 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 listen. The Red Sox just won. They only got six. So before them is the Anaheim Angels, and before that are the Yankees. But I'm torn. You know I'm a positive person, but I think... I'm going to say that they're going to be, he says under, I'm going to go above. Because, Over, yeah. Because, because I'm a person that thinks half full. Obviously, you don't. I, I just think, listen, at the end of the day, baseball's baseball. The toughest part of why, if we were in a different division, we could win over. It would be 100% for me. I feel like they could win over 75 games. But because you're in the AL East and you play Boston, you play Tampa, and you play the Yankees so much, it's going to make it tougher. But Free I never wins count. against the Orioles, though. I never count my, my guys out. So I'm show, going over. Show of hands for over. Yeah, yes. you too. Good for you. Yes. And show Keep of hands. Hope. Show of hands for under. Yeah, uh, negative. Yeah. Uh, oh, hate yeah. to see it. You hate uh, to see it. Uh, next one. Over under deadline month trades 4.5. I'm going to say over. There are just so many spare parts on this team that you can trade away. Some of them for decent returns. We mentioned Shoemaker. Some of them for virtually nothing, like a Clayton Richard, perhaps, a Daniel Hudson. I don't know what you're getting for him, but you get something. And I just see them just selling off all these parts in a bunch of minor trades, similar to how they did last year. And I don't know if any of them are going to blow anyone away in terms of your return, but you might as well pick up as many lottery tickets as you can. And I think that's kind of going to be their attitude. Yeah, I think that it's going to be over as well. I mean, at the end of the day, there's a lot of one-year deals. There's guys that are at the end of their contracts. And so they'll move them, get some more pieces, and then you'll see a different team. But you'll see a different team with good players, and then the young guys coming through. So it'll be fun to watch. Show of hands, over under 4.5 trades. Transactions, the best part of sports. <laughs> oh, yeah, so exciting. Up, way up. And, and the deadline, there's only one date deadline, which pretty is exciting. awesome. Yeah. It'll make it pretty exciting. Pretty thrilling stuff. Can't I don't have it. to explain August trade deadline <laughs> to people anymore, which is so fun. Yep. Uh, the next over-under, the elephant in the room. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Games, over-under 110. This is a durability question for me. I think if he's up, he would in theory play that. He's 20, give him as many at-bats as you can. We know that he's at that oblique worry. I'm gonna be rarely optimistic and say over. I say he's young enough to stay healthy. They'll give him DH at-bats if they have to. Just get him as many at-bats as possible over 110 games. Well, it depends on the cutoff, right? Whatever the Super 2 cutoff date is, depending on that, if he's healthy, I think he's going to be the guy that all of a sudden they're like, wow, your defense got better with three games and triple yeah, A. This 250-pound guy big can run all of a sudden. So Great base I, runner. It depends. It's all based on the Super 2. Uh, if, he, if the date is where he would be able to get 110 games, undoubtedly, especially now that Kendris is gone, he can DH on days he's not playing third base. It all comes down to that Super 2 date. If not, you guys will see him whenever that date shortly after. 
Who here over 110 games in the room? Very, a few. And under? Who's, who's at the heavy under? Yeah, it's pretty split. We're pretty split. Pretty even. All right. Uh, the next one, another prospect question. Ooh. Bo Bichette, over under 0.5 plate appearances. I'm going to take the under. I mean, the Blue Jays have been classic service time manipulation scumbags with Vladdy Guerrero. Why wouldn't they do the same with Ooh, Bo? scumbags. Big. That's a yeah, huge. Listen up, Ross. <laughs> Scumbag. Yeah. I think, I think because of his spring training, he gave himself the opportunity to get more than 0.5 at-bats because he, showed it, he went out there and he showed that he belongs. And so I think that he might have pushed the envelope a little bit more than people expect, and I think that he could be up here at some point this year. He does need the AAA at-bats, too. It's not the same situation. He's got to have some AAA at-bats. Oh, I does he have it? to have some AAA at-bats? No one's ever skipped AAA before or, like, been there for two weeks and come up to the big You'd leagues? You'd like to see him get a couple. I don't know. I'm, st I'm still under. I think there's... Who, who here is over? We're going to see Bo Bichette this year. We've got some Bo yes. Bichette fans. That heavy. We have a should be over, but will be under. They are scumbags. That's true. Gosh, That's geez, the watchword of this podcast now. Scumbags, scumbags is like super deep. It's strong. That's a strong word. Oh, uh, next one. Danny Jansen, will he finish in the top 10 in catcher OPS? It's kind of unclear what over and under means Wait, in we'll that say context. Over yeah. means better than 10th. Over. I'm a big Danny Jansen yes, believer. Yes, you're a huge Danny huge Jansen Danny fan. Jansen, which is very out of character for everything else about me, even beyond baseball. Yes. Um, not a fan of many no. things. No. Yeah, that's fair. Except for beer. Uh, but he's a great, he has a really good approach to the plate, which I like. He gets the ball in the air, which is important because if you're a catcher, uh, you know, you don't generally get many of those infield hits. So he's always getting the ball in the air. He's got that nice launch angle, if you want to use that uh, nomenclature. And uh, I think he's patient. He waits for his pitch. And also, there just aren't good hitting catchers out there right now. Like, it's I, a barren wasteland out there. That's where I think more top 10. For sure, this year, top 10. First year, full year in the big leagues. It's a little different, right? You set the tone. People don't know you as much. That's why they call it the sophomore slump. Because when you come back for your second year, that's why it's so tough to play in the big leagues and stay in the big leagues is because my first year, people are still gathering information on me. My second year, they got a full season of, all right, Danny Jansen doesn't like this pitch. He can't hit this pitch. He can't hit this pitch. And so it's the constant cat and mouse game. Can you make the adjustment? So first year, undoubtedly, he's going to be in the top 10. My biggest question is, is can he repeat it his sophomore season? All right, who's on board? Danny Jansen, top 10 catcher this year. Lots of Danny Jansen believers and non-believers. Ah, oh, they're right there. It's him. Oh, there's Get him. one. The one. Just Get him. One. Yes. A brave man willing <laughs> yes. to stand up against the crowd. I like yeah. it. He was saying boo earns. Um, the next one, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., over under 3.5 positions played in the field. DH does not count. I'm going to say over. You got second base as a lock, shortstop as a lock, third base at some point, uh, maybe as a defensive replacement for Vladdy late in the game. And then I think at some point he gets, shoe, he gets shoehorned into the outfield in an emergency or someone has pinched hit or a National League game. Just some situation he picks up like five innings in left field. Nope. Under. He's nope. going to play second, short, and third. Uh, he won't play first, but it's because I don't think he's a guy that's going to be a utility guy. I think he's going to be an everyday guy, and I think he's going to be above average major leaguer. And how do you develop somebody is by playing them there consistently. So... If they see him as a utility guy, then you might see him more than three and a half positions. But 
for me, it wouldn't make any sense because I think he's an everyday guy. But utility is not as bad a word as it used to be, right? Since Ben Zobris became that model or Javier Baez, guys that play a bunch of positions. Yeah, but Javier Baez plays three positions. Third, short, second. I'm sure he could manage it. No. Okay, everybody, over three and a half? Nobody believes. Oh, there's one. There's one. Two. All right, so we're all staying under, generally everybody else. Yes. No hands is lots of hands. Good to know. What do you got here? Drawing, He's coloring. Co coloring a bunny, yeah. I think it's yeah. Uh, next one. Okay. Team stolen bases over under 55. Very random. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll take credit because I think I set this one, so I only have myself to blame. Yes. I'm going to say over. They've got quite a few guys on this team who are very literally fast, who don't run very much. I think Montoyo might want to push the envelope a little bit more. Gritchett can run. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez has been disastrous as a base runner at the big league level, but he is very fast. Sprint speed, 86th percentile. Stat cast. There yeah, you go, another stat cast fact. I've seen a lot of fast guys that suck at stealing bases. So, yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't, doesn't equate to stolen bases. Not necessarily, but I think when you don't have that pressure to win and you do have a manager who might want to be a little bit more aggressive and try some things, we know Pilar will steal a few. Uh, you know, Guriel maybe. I, I think it's going to come together. There's going to be people chipping in eight here, seven here. Under. All right. Under. I don't, I don't, listen, at the end of the day. Brandon Drury? Don't, don't sleep on Brandon under, Drury. Under. It's not, this is the American League. It's not a big steel bases league. If you're in the National League, different story. I just don't see it happening. The only guy that steals bases on that lineup for me is really Kevin Pillar. But again, I've known many fast players that can't steal bases, and I've known very many guys that are not fast that can steal bases. So at the end of the day, they don't have a true base stealer, so I think it's under 55. Who's saying over on 55 stolen bases? We got a couple. Nobody. Good Whoa, to know. We got From a couple. the cheat sheets. Come on, I'm I not alone. Get my full scan of range. The one guy over there, base stealing fan. Uh, two more to go. 100 miles Giles, Kevin Giles. So dumb. Over under 99.9 .9 miles an hour, fastest pitch thrown this year. So uh, Zoobs and I did, we went to the deep dive, we looked at every pitch he threw with the Blue Jays last year. His fastest was 99.79. So I'm going to say he never quite cracks yeah, three digits. You can't, you can't on your player's weekend say I'm the 100 miles Giles if you don't hit 100 miles an hour. It's just as stupid. It's so dumb. That'd be like me putting 300 JP on my back for <laughs> player weekend. Like, didn't happen. So at the end of the day, I mean, listen, he throws hard, sweet. You throw 99 miles an hour. But if you're going to have 100 miles an aisles, giles, whatever it is, you got to throw 100. And, they, and last year, guys used to give him a hard time about it, as I was, I was told, because I think it should be 99 Miles an hour. 99, Giles. 99 miles, Giles doesn't even sound that bad. Still rhymes. Like, yeah. No, it's. I mean, it, well, and so it's still even, hard. Yeah, it's but hard. Least, he throws hard. Yeah, don't but, do the false advertising. Yeah, but yes, that's all. I, I'm all about real news. All right, one more. Who, who's in on 100 miles, Giles? Thank you, We've Matt. Not a believer. Last one. I'm in on him. He's just not going to hit. I'm throwing 100 though. Yeah. 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 yeah no. All right, last one. Charlie Montoyo going to change things up this year. We've heard. How many times will they use the opener? Over under 14 and a half. It's interesting. I think he wants to use it, but I think they've got too many guys who they want to try as traditional starters. Guys like Trent Thornton, we mentioned Sean Reed Foley, you might see at some point. Guys they're going to bring up. They've just got a big wad of those six to eight to nine starters, so I don't see them scrambling for it unless they have injury problems. So I'm going to say under. 
Yeah, I think under as well. And the reason why I say under is because if you're true to your plan, which is developing guys, you don't need to develop like openers. You don't have to develop an opener. I want to develop starters. And so at the end of the day, if we're not concerned fully on winning, what does the opener do? The opener doesn't do anything in developmental side. So for me, under, if they're true to their plan. Yeah, I think you might see an opener a couple of years from now when the Blue Jays are more competitive and they're doing whatever they can to win game X, game 89 of the yeah. season. But they don't need to do that this year. So, yeah, I don't see the need to meddle with it. Last question, everybody. Openers, yes or no, 14 and a half. Boo, an audible boo. Yes. That is my That's cue to leave. That's worth at least 10, yeah. Audible Get booing is my cue to leave every time. All yeah, right, guys. Peace out. No, it is him. Don't, it, is, it is me. It is yeah. Don't worry, Zoobs will be back uh, in a segment that's very suited to Zoobs' interests. But, but with, when we have Zoobs gone, we'll talk some real baseball. This season on the podcast, we want to address prospects a little more just because of where this team is. JP, I know you have a lot of experience with some of these guys. So we're going to put Vlad and Bo aside because yeah. uh, everyone knows about them and pick on a couple guys that we're really looking to watch this year. One hitter, one pitcher, and then a guy you think that could surprise and find their way on the big league roster in 2019. So JP, I'll start with you. Why don't you give me a hitter who you, in that non-blow, non-Vlad division, who you think could surprise? Well, there's a catcher in the lower levels, and his name is Alejandro Kirk. And so last year, he hit 354. He hit 10 home runs in 30, or 58 games, he had 10 home runs. He hit 57 RBIs. He had 57 RBIs as well. But what they told me, what separated him is now, because they are able to count all these velo off bat, all this stuff, what happens is, is they rank guys who hits the ball the hardest. Well, obviously, Vlad was number one. Number two was Alex Kirk. And he's a guy who they've kind of kept under the radar. He's not a high prospect. And the one thing that I like about him as well is the entire year last year, he struck out 21 times, but he walked 33. So it shows that this kid is a really, really good hitter. He's really, really got an a, a unbelievable approach, but he's also very, very talented as far as numbers say. So he's a guy that they've been kind of keeping off radar. Uh, and I think that he's a guy that eventually is going to be a very, very good player to come up to Toronto. Whenever in modern baseball you see more walks than strikeouts, it's getting rarer and rarer, and that's a really good indicator for a young hitter and his approach. This one I have is a little bit less obscure than you, which is Jordan Groshans, their first-round pick last year, hit the ground running, Kind of reminds me of the way Bo Bichette just showed up and put up those huge numbers right away. Not at Bichette's level, definitely not. A guy who profiles as a third baseman, big guy, like 6'4", looks the part, raw power, plays the position well, and the questions are about contact and his, his ability to have a good approach at the plate. We'll see, a lot of times that can be learned. The guy's only 19 years old. Yeah. So for me, that's a guy that Again, you know, people know about him, but I think you should be watching really carefully this year. Yeah, I agree. And uh, if you heard some booze, it was because of the Detroit Tiger fans that walked in here. But other than that, that's what you get in the live show. You get that atmosphere. So and, who do you got as a pitcher? Well, I think obviously it's when you throw 104 miles an hour, I think that it's you can't ignore that, right? I don't care if you stink and if your ball is straight or this or that. When you throw that hard, 
you're going to get to the big leagues and you're going to be able to get outs. So Nate Pearson is a guy, I mean, he's a Canadian guy, so that'll be nice for him to debut with the Blue Jays, but this guy throws up to 104 miles an hour. I mean, and this is, that's like super, super, super special. So for me, he's going to be a guy that I'm going to be able to follow his development and I'm going to watch it and be excited, but he's going to learn how to throw different pitches so that guys can get off that fastball. But 104 miles an hour is still 104 miles an hour. So I think that he's going to be very, very good and very big for the Blue Jays at some point. Yeah, the Blue Jays don't have a ton of those big projectable arm types who you can imagine penciling in at the top of rotation. And he is that guy just because that... Like, I remember when he got drafted, they brought him to the ballpark as one of their top picks, and he just looked like a man, like the second he was drafted. He's one of those big kids, big power, big velocity, and you've got to like what he's got. For me, I'm going to go with a guy who's a little bit the other way, which is Eric Pardino out of Brazil. Uh, people who know me know that I love Brazil. I don't know if Brazilophile is a word, but something in and around that is my attitude. It's kind toward... of weird. But, yeah, uh... sure. I mean, Francophile, right, is French, so it's something like that. Uh, he's a young kid, but he's, you know, he's only 5'10". He's not going to have that big frame. He's not going to have the crazy velocity. The guy loses velocity late in games a little bit but he's really smart and has an advanced approach for, for pitching, which you just don't see with teenagers. A comp I've heard before is Zach Greinke, like a guy who just really, really thinks the game. And again, at his age, it's something you don't see, and that's why he's a guy who excites me. Yeah, anybody that's that young and is that good is, is somebody you have to keep an eye on. And obviously, I think that we've all realized with Strowman and stuff like that, the size isn't really the biggest deal for me. All right, who do you think is a dark horse, someone that is not projected to be seen this season, but we might end up seeing as a result of injuries or trades or whatever it is? Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith is a shortstop. Uh, he was in low A and high last year combined. He hit 302 with 25 home runs and 29 stolen bases. And we talked about speed and power, right? We talked about over under home runs, over under on stolen bases. This is a guy who's a shortstop and is hitting 20-plus home runs in a minor league season. So it's 142 games. So if you crank it up a little bit more, he might have more. And also 29 stolen bases. And you talk to all the coaches, all the guys that have been around, they say, like, hey, this, is, this guy's the real deal. So I think he's some guy. I imagine he'll start. I don't know where he's starting. I think he probably should start in double-A and push the envelope, get up here. And you never know what can happen. But he's a guy who... Anybody that's a shortstop and hits 300 with 25 home runs, I mean, at any position, and has 29 stolen bases, he's a guy you're going to see in the big leagues at some point. I'm going to go with someone a lot less exciting than that. It's the guy who's literally one rung up the ladder from him, which is Santiago Espinal. It's the guy, really good defensive reputation, the guy they brought back in the Steve Pierce deal, hit pretty well at double A last year. I don't love the middle infielders the Blue Jays have. I think an injury could happen there. And he's a versatile guy whose bat has really come around in the last couple of years, and I know that they like him. Not a superstar profile, probably more of a utility player long term, but a guy who can start in the high minors and move quickly and be a part of this team. Listen, at the end of the day, when we're talking about these kind of young players, it's exciting, man. I think that the Blue Jays have a bright future, and you can win at a young age. The Braves have been able to show it. There's teams that have been able to show it. So, so we're going to move on from you know, the serious roster building to something uh, nearer and dearer to my heart, which is ballpark food. Actually, no. And here comes Zoobs. Actually. He's back in the action. We're going to have to save the food for a later day. 
We, we, our slideshow is... We're, we're way, we're, way, we're, way long. Yes, we are... Way long. Way, getting over way, time. Way, okay. way over. Fine. We'll save the food for another day. Zoops, are you here for the Would You Rathers? Uh, I'm here to start the Q&A, actually. Oh, wow. We, like we really... We really You're blowing right through it. That's what happens when I don't have a watch. We no one got, would give me their watch. We just got rocking through. It's our job to give Nick watches, by Let's the way. Let's go. Yeah. Q&A. A watch. Q&A. <laughs> Q&A. So I'm going to walk around. If anybody has any questions, I will flag you down, grab you a mic. Can you talk to JP and Nick? Hey, he's got a question for sure. My man's little... Uh, you got a question. Anybody right up there. I'll be right back. No question? Man, I had a beautiful multimedia presentation for all you guys. I'm sorry, Nick. I mean, the, I, by I the blame way, myself. I Can we get the, it, get the tater tots? Whatever the tater yeah, tot one. Show else. the food anyway. I didn't have that photo, unfortunately. That Here was one of the ones I was missing. Uh, so, JP, I'm just wondering what you think about uh, Kenny Omega not winning the Lou Marsh Award. Say that again. Kenny Omega, he didn't win the Lou Marsh Award. What do you think about that? Kenny Omega. We're talking it's Japanese a, a rest, wrestling, wrestling here. Awful. Uh, Apologize. Zeus, I apologize for that. That's my army. fault. That's my fault. That's yeah, right. hey, Thank you very to, much. You were supposed to flag the questions. I'm sorry. You wore the Hulk Hogan shirt on air, though. Hey, so I, you... hey I am a big wrestling fan. And Kane Velasquez is going to do the Lucha Libre. So should be fired so, up. So there you that. go. You did get Anybody yeah. else with a question in the room for JP? Oh, geez. So we got to bring we a sweat here. To go. All right, <laughs> holiday shirt. I'm coming to you first. <laughs> That's not even nice, man. This is awesome. Let's have a not wrestling like, question uh, this time. You right here had a question? All right, let it go. JB, thanks for um, your last retirement day when you wrote that Twitter message. Uh, it meant, I think it meant a lot to Toronto fans. And thank, oh, sorry, thanking a lot of the Toronto fans. That was pretty cool. Thanks. Um, but I want to know your thoughts on uh, Montoya taking over the team instead of having like a traditional manager like a Girardi or something like that. Like, why did the Jays go that direction instead of doing something sort of more old school? Well, let me tell you one thing that's the most unspoken about thing that is the biggest thing is bilingual, okay? Being able to speak Spanish, especially Spanish first, because a lot of these guys from Venezuela, Dominican Republic, all these guys that come up, they're coming to a, a predominantly English country, right? So they always feel like you walk into the clubhouse, the TV's in English. You walk into the clubhouse, the TV or the, the music's in English, right? Everything's done in English. So there's always a little bit of a, like, we don't get adjusted to feel. Even in, even in literally in clubhouses, there's tension at times because of what music. Why can't we listen to Spanish music? Why can't we listen? To, that happens, right? And so when you have a Latin manager who can speak to those guys, and then understand, like, hey, I got your best at interest. Not that an American, uh, you know, an English speaker wouldn't have that, but they feel much more comfortable because they feel like they're understood because they're, it's one of their own that has gone through it. I would say on the other side, English speakers, we don't feel that way in this essence, right? Like if, like if Charlie Montoya got on me, I wouldn't be like, oh, it's because he's a Latin guy getting on me, right? It, this is not that feel. It does happen the other way in baseball at times. And so for me, right away, it helps. You have a young guy like Vlad coming up. All these young players, a lot of good Latin players as well, he commands the respect of everyone from day one, which is a huge thing, really, really big. Then now you meet the person. This dude is one of the most humble guys on the planet. And at the end of the day, any one of you guys and girls, I can give you a team and I can tell you write a lineup. Right? You, okay, this guy's going to play here, this guy's going to play here, this guy's going to play here. 
but it's how can I manage each one of those guys on an everyday basis? Because you can't talk to Rowdy the way you talk to Smoke, and you can't talk to Danny Jansen the way you talk to Luke Maley. And so at the end of the day, what a manager is, is one, a psychologist. You have to be able to figure out how you can get the best out of the best. And two, is a bullpen. You, you have to manage a bullpen. And he's been able to be around good teams. He's won in AAA. He's won everywhere he's gone in Tampa. He just, they just had a great year, right? So at the end of the day, I think it was a sneaky decision, but a phenomenal decision on Charlie Montoya. Hi. Um, how broken is free agency? Obviously, I think it's, there's something that's going to be done. I mean, I talked to the Major League Players Association, some guys that are connected to it, and now they're going to move free agency forward. They're going to, they're going to move arbitration forward. There's something that's got to be done because although, yes, Trout and those guys got paid, the middle guys are the ones that, that wear it. And so at the end of the day, too, what happens is, is these teams go after players, sign them to long-year, long-year deals, if they don't have a good year, they abort ship, right? So then now they trade these players away. Well, what happens is the teams that would have been buyers just trade for these guys. So the free agents that year just absolutely have to wear it. So that's where there's things that are having to be done. I'm thankful that I'm not in, in this position right now because a lot of these guys are, are struggling because it's like, I just had a good year and I don't have a job. Well, and you can even look at some of the guys who signed extensions, right? Like, that tells you a lot about where the market is. Guys like Aaron Nola, Luis Severino, Alex Bregman. These are superstars who sign extensions that tell me that they're afraid to hit free agency. Like, they don't want any part of it. No, he doesn't. And he, like, it sounds weird to say this is a guy who plays baseball and he's underpaid at $430 million, but he absolutely is. He deserves a lot more money than that. I think even Bryce Bryce Harper probably deserves more than's on his contract either. And Trout, to be fair, you know, it's his decision if he wants to try and maximize his his income, and I don't think he did. I think he could have fought for more money. But even still, it's just, it's not where it needs to be. Like, it's very clear, and the extensions say it better than anything else. Right here. So we uh, played a little over-under before. So, uh, JP, questions for you. What's your over-under on 0.5 Blue Jays today going four for five with two home runs in their debut the way you did? <laughs> Man, I don't know. That would be nice. I appreciate it. Not, that would be nice, but I hope that, at the end of the day, I'd hope that that, that start of it would be a longer career uh, with the Jays because it was a it was a great day it was phenomenal um, but there's a gonna you know that's a fun part too though honestly at the end of the day yeah I had a great debut but there's gonna be a lot of guys that you guys get to watch make their debuts and that's something that's fun and special because at the end of the day you hear about these guys in the minor leagues you don't get to see them on a daily basis now all of a sudden these guys are gonna be coming through and you're gonna see these guys and you're gonna be able to identify like oh crap I remember when this guy he made his debut look at him now you know and Trent Thornton's going to be a guy that's going to make his debut. There's a lot of guys that you'll get to see kind of grow up right before your eyes. I see Zoob's lingering, and I, now, now I know what that time. means. Now we have to, you have two minutes for your Would You Rather. Okay, two minutes. So this year we stopped JP Career Trivia on the podcast. We end every episode with a Would You Rather. I've, uh, some of these I've collected, some of them I've written myself. This is my own. JP, would you rather always have wet socks no matter what? You cannot... Wherever you go, your socks are soaking wet, or six months of the year, you have to wear a long sole patch. 
They don't have to be consecutive. You could have a soul patch in January that goes away in February. Like the really long, stringy... Oh, this thing? Yeah, long soul patch. Ooh, soul patch for sure. I mean, you. at the end of the day, I can't walk around. I barely You like live in Miami. Around. You barely need socks. No, I still Sandals use socks. Sandals all the time. Well, yeah, if you're telling me that I can wear sandals and I don't have to wear socks, of course, then I'm just, forget the socks, it doesn't, it doesn't part of the equation, but I'd, if I had to wear wet socks all the time, or have a, the sole patch, dude, I'm going sole patch into my coffee, forget oh, the socks. You're going to be on television, man, you're going to be on the Marlins broadcast, and people are like, who's that guy with that disgusting sole patch? If you have Maybe wet I socks, nobody knows. What happens if I can pull it off? I don't think anyone can That's very can pull judgmental of you, Nick. I mean, fashion I don't know. trend. We used to think that like skinny jeans were weird. Now everybody's got skinny jeans, right? Maybe, what it is. I think maybe my facial hair is too near and dear to look my at heart. That. That's a, look at that thing back there. That thing is great. Yeah, it's awesome. It's not a greasy soul patch. It's no. a proper beard. All right, I, I'd go the opposite way. Maybe I'm too vain. I can't have, have to have a beard that's not disgusting. But I'll take. I'll suffer the wet socks. I'll get used to that's it. That's terrible. Anything but wet socks. Anything. Yeah, it's I would do anything to my appearance to avoid wearing wet socks. Anything. All right. Well, I feel like there's no better way to end it than that. Thank you guys all for Thank coming so out. Much. Very special episode. We appreciate your listens, subscriptions. We're everywhere. But uh, it was great to be right here with all of you guys. And any questions, too. Uh, tweet us. Do different things. Because I'm in with these players a lot. And so if you guys want to know things... Have me ask them, because I will. I don't have... They usually, they usually talk to me a little bit more than he they would most. He can't think of any of his own questions, so he just yes. he needs your and help. Yes, and I'm not that smart, yeah. so I have to... And I the players, hate, they all hate me, so... Yes, yes. yes. and no one likes Zoops. <laughs> all right, thanks a lot, everybody. Thank